Extra point from Vinatieri, streaking back right, and it is good. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Extra Point. I know it's been some time since our last episode. A lot has happened since our last episode. I think uh, it was the beginning of this year. Um, I've become a father to a beautiful baby girl. And with the quarantine and pandemic, um, I just really put this on the back burner for a while. But we're back now, and I'm excited. And our first episode back... Um, is a very important podcast. We drift away from the sports um, theme that this podcast has uh, to talk about something that's really prevalent in our our time right now. Uh, We're going to be talking about racial reconciliation. And one of my best friends, Tyler Forte, uh, returns to the show to talk about his experiences as a young black man and how we as Christians from all races can put a stop to uh, racial injustice. Hope you enjoy. All right, everybody. Th- <clears throat> Thanks for coming again tonight for uh, Issues Part 2. Uh, you all have met my one of my best friends, uh, Tyler. It's good. I'm so honored that he... Uh, agreed without hesitating to jump on tonight. Uh, you know, there's a saying that goes, if you can uh, count your friends on one hand, then you're blessed. And I'm proud to say that Tyler is on that hand that I, that I can't count with. So I'm just going to start off by reading a couple of verses that kind of like our theme for this series in Luke uh, chapter four, and then I'm going to turn it over uh, to Tyler. So again, uh, right after Jesus was tempted by the devil, he went to Nazareth, his hometown, uh, to be in the synagogue, um, which is basically our modern-day church. And he was going to read – it was his turn to read from the scroll. And they give him the scroll, and he uh, finds the place where, he, where Isaiah is prophesying about him. So we pick that up in verse 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and This is the main part, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, today, as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Then, they, then he said to them, no doubt you will quote the proverb to me, doctor, heal yourself. What we've heard that took place in, do what we've heard that took place in Capernaum. Do here in your hometown as well. He also said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days. When the sky was shut up for three years and six months, while a great famine came over all the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except a widow at Zarephath and Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, yet none of them was cleansed except Nam the Syrian. And after that, the people got mad, and they tried to kill him. They tried to throw him off a nearby cliff. So, again, we talked about last week 
the Jews thought Jesus was just coming for the Jews and that is it. But he also came for the Gentile. He came for everyone and they didn't like that. So uh, Jesus dealt with oppression as well. And with that tonight, this is our chance to uh, not to be understood, but to understand. And we're going to hear uh, some stories that Tyler has. We met for about an hour uh, before this tonight, and I was just blown away and nearly brought to tears with some of the stuff he shared with me. So with that, I'm going to shut up and turn it over to you, Tyler. Thanks for joining, man. Hey, man, appreciate it. Um, just just the fact that you have a youth pastor that understands um, and wants to learn and, and hear, um, not just to listen, but to understand uh, what's going on in the world and how um, he can help and be active is huge. Um, so I'm from Nashville, um, born and raised. I've uh, been here my whole life. My parents are from Arkansas, so I have a little bit of Nashville blood, a little Arkansas blood in me. Um, but I've also seen a lot. I've dealt with a lot. Um, but when we talk about um, racial issues, social justice issues, um, I saw a protest sign, um, and I've taken this quote, and it's really impacted my life. And it says, Christ and racism don't don't mix. You can't say I love God and hate his creation. Um, and so when we talk about everything that's going on in the world, like that, that's been my biggest, uh, my biggest impact is if, if we say we love God, um, how are we impacting others? Um, we can't love God and hate somebody else that and hate somebody else that he created. Um, because he said everybody's created in his image and his likeness. And that's been our big, my biggest thing. And that's how I've taken this around with it. So, uh, just a little bit about me. So yes, I work for FCA, um, in Nashville. Um, I work in some inner city schools and also work in some private schools. Um, I'm married. I have a 10 year old son, um, who has been impacted through all of this because we've had to have some conversations through all this that, um, as a, as a father and as a parent, you never thought that you would have to have, um, I have a, an amazing wife. Um, they're actually in Knoxville right now. Um, so shout out to them. They'll probably go back and watch this, um, just to see what I talked about. Um, just like Jackson, I am a straight shooter. Um, I don't really hold anything back. Um, yeah, I, I, I shoot it straight. And, and if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. So um, if you have any questions while I'm talking, please feel free to ask me. Um, I have no problems answering any questions. We have a saying uh, when I'm coaching is that we have no dumb questions because if you don't know the answer, then why not ask? So my first um my first instance with racism was when I was about eight years old. Um, my mom and I were walking through the mall and I had uh, just gotten some, gotten some shoes or something like that. I'm a shoe fanatic. I've been a shoe fanatic my whole life. And there was a lady who was walking beside us and we were trying to pass her. And in that instance, as I was walking past her, um, she grabbed her purse and snatched it to the other side. And as an eight-year-old, you see it, but you don't think anything about it. Um, my mom saw it and, and was very taken back from it. Um, as you can see, I'm not a very small human being. Um, I'm about six one, about 220 pounds. So it, I've never really been small in my life. So, so there were conversations that my mom began to have to have with me as an eight-year-old that, um, that you shouldn't have to have. So when, when George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery uh, first happened um, and, and everybody kind of blew up about it, uh, this wasn't anything new to me. This was everyday life for me as an African-American man in the United States of America. Um, some of my best friends are white like Jackson. Um, some of my best friends are black. Um, 
from my best friends are are other ethnicities and and growing up around all of that is where I, I base myself on and base what I'm proud about. Um, I love being an African American man. I love doing what I do and, and being able to to shed light on what's going on. Um, so when you look at George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, I don't want you to see the senseless killing. I want you to see the life that they lived. I want you to see that they were proud to be who they were. And I want you to see that their purpose in life might not have been fulfilled because the devil was busy. When we, when we talk about what's going on with it, with it all, um, and we look at the protests that come from it, and we look at um, the rioting and the looting, which is not okay. Um, I don't want you to see that as a way of hatred. The protests are nothing new. Um, my great grandmother was a slave. Like me and Jackson were talking about this earlier. My great my great grandmother was a slave, and so when you think about that, I'm 28 years old. And not my grandmother, but my great grandmother was literally um, was owned by somebody else. And so when you look at that, I, th I think that we, we honestly believe that slavery and civil rights movement and everything else was um, so far ago. And it really wasn't that far ago. We're, we're not too far removed from it. And so when we talk about the civil rights movement, it's still happening. It never ended. Equality never ended. When you look at, um, I, I want you to think about this picture because this is how I kind of think about it, and this is how uh, one of my one of my good friends we we talked about this yesterday. Is when you look at a race, um, I want you to think about two different people running beside it, and I want you to think about um, one person just running, with no holds, nothing on his back, just running a race around a track, and I want you to think about somebody else who has a who has a gorilla on his back, um, who gets a late start and um, is running extremely slow. And that's how African-Americans and white people have been basically profiled for, for years. Black people have been running with a gorilla on his back, uh, on, their, on their backs. They've been running with um, people dragging them down and, and people hindering how do we get to success. And so, and, and Jackson and I were talking about this when we talk about how do we get back to equal, equal playing fields? Well, at some point, the person who's in front has to stop and wait for who's coming. But in order for us to get to who's coming, we have to take the gorilla off our back, which would be racism, which would be inequalities, which would be um, any, any prejudice that we deal with. We have to take that off our back, and then we have to try to catch up. And so if Jackson and I were looking at the same job and, and, and we have the same exact resumes and the same exact, um, if we're looking for at a coaching job, so for instance, and we have the same exact resumes and we have uh, the same exact experience and we do the same thing, he might get that job before I get that job. The reason that my name is Tyler is because my mom wanted me to have an equal playing field. She wanted to try to, for me to have the most equal playing field that I could possibly have when I get a job. And it was unbelievable to me when she first said that because I never took it like that. And so in order for us to get to where we're supposed to get to, um, we have to figure out where and where, where does that equal playing field lie? Are you willing to stop and let others come to where you are so that we can have the equal playing field and we can work, the, work together 
to build something even greater. When you look at Jesus and his 12 disciples, Jesus didn't go get people that looked like Jesus. Jesus didn't go get the Pharisees and the Sadducees who knew the Bible and who were the sticklers for Christians. Jesus wouldn't have got tax collectors. He wouldn't have got a murderer. He wouldn't have got fishermen. And so when you think about that, if, if we're going to live that life, then we have to go get what the tax collectors in our life look like. We have to go get what the murderers in our life look at. Now, I'm not saying go get a murderer. I'm saying go get something that looks like what that might look like. Go get the person that you don't like at the moment or don't go get the person that um, doesn't like you at the moment. We have to go get those fishermen, the people that cuss a lot but shoot straight. You got to have some of those in your life. You got to have a Peter that, that is willing to cut off an ear for you. You got to have a, a, a John the Baptist who, who's willing to do anything for you. And so those, none of those people look like Jesus. And I think that's where, we, that's where we get it twisted. We think we have the cookie cutter picture of everybody who looked like him. None of them look like him. And so when you look at our friend group and you look at when people see me and Jackson walking around at FCA camp and they're like, they are complete opposites. But at the same time, that's my brother. I'm probably his Peter. I'm a lot of people's Peter. I'll cut off a whole lot of ears for people. It's just who I am. I, I, am, I am that guy. And so when we, when we talk about this, this, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what life is supposed to be. Are you willing to walk beside the person that might not look like you, might not have the same circumstances as you, might not be uh, in, in the same ballpark as you, and say, I, I really don't care because I'm trying to live this life like Christ and love. And so that that's where we stand when it comes to that. Um, any questions so far, anything before I keep going? Because I got stories for days, so. Hey, and you can ask, you can literally ask him anything. He's, I mean, um, um, like I, like we've been reading through the book of James, he's probably the, I mean, he's about, you know, how James just says it. No, he's a lot like that, and he's not going to pull any punches. Macy, you have any questions for him or anything? You're usually not afraid to talk. I can't really think of anything. <laughs> okay. Well. All right, so we'll keep, you can keep this thing rolling. So um, what were we talking about earlier? This is something that stuck out to me earlier what we were talking about. When we talk about, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this story. So I was eight years old and I was at a school, I won't name this school. Um, and my parents put me there. We had just moved back to Nashville. We did a couple stints in Mississippi and Memphis. And my mom moved me back. My mom and dad moved me back uh, when I was eight. And we stayed, we were here, we've been here, back here ever since. And i never forget, I got in the car uh, one day from school, and I I had counted the amount of African Americans that were in my school. And so I got in a car, and there were 13 uh, African Americans in my whole entire school of over like 400. And that's in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and that was the first day my mom realized that I saw color. And for an eight-year-old to see that, and to count that, I can obviously tell you that I was not in that school the next year. And so, but what I took from that as I got older was if we don't see, uh, people always say, 
uh, that they're colorblind. And for you guys, I never want you to say that you're colorblind. Mm. Because if you're colorblind, then you don't see um, the inequality. Then you don't see uh, the social justice piece that we're just now, that we're talking about. You don't see um, the, the different struggles that everybody in life deals with, not just black and white, but Hispanics and, and Asians and uh, Samoans and people, people, I mean, all ethnicities. You have to see color. My dad and I were talking about that this morning. You have to see it. Because if you don't see that I'm brown, when you look at, uh, when we're walking through the mall and you're trying to figure out why I won't get in the elevator uh, with, with, with somebody else, because I'm too nervous that they're going to get off the elevator because of the color of my skin. Or you, you won't walk, I'm not going to walk past you because uh, you feel like I, I'm going to try to take something out of your purse. And so when we look at that, we have to have those, those tough conversations of um, I'm an African-American, you're a Caucasian, and we can still love each other just the same. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and that's where we are in this world of understanding that um, God is love and we have to understand that he wants us to walk hand in hand, side by side. And so a lot of people have been taking that Martin Luther King quote. We were talking about it earlier today, Jackson. Uh, the rioting is the voice of the unheard. And I don't like that people are taking that quote right now just because, yes, there are certain certain people who are very upset with what's going on. I, I am not happy. I'm still processing. I've, I've gone through all different types of emotions about what, what's happening in, in America right now. Um, just realizing that that could be me. And it's like I said earlier, Jackson, when, when I leave the house, um, I, my goal, my ultimate goal is just to get back home. Whether I'm going down the street or whether I'm going uh, from here to Knoxville, I, my, my ultimate goal is to get home to my family or get to my family um, so I can continue to be the husband and the father and, and what, what God has called me to be for them. And there are times because you remember you said it and you said you never thought I had to think about it. Mm-hmm. No. And so when I'm leaving uh, the school on a Friday night after a game at, at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, and I literally live eight minutes from the school, that is the scariest eight minute drive of my life because I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm not saying uh, that that I'm scared of just cops. I'm saying I'm just the nervousness of what could happen on this eight minute drive. Yeah. And so the statement of all lives matters to me is not a statement of, uh, when, when, let me take that back. When we say black lives matter, we're not saying that all lives don't matter. Like for me, Jackson's life matters to me. Riley, your life matters to me. Mace, your life matters to me. Michael, your life matters to me. But if we're gonna use a statement all lives matter. We have to talk about the white lives. We have to talk about the, the African-American lives. We have to talk about all of the, the Hispanic lives and the Asian lives and Samoan lives, everybody else's life that matters. And we're not taking the emphasis off of all lives matter, but we're just saying we're putting a more of an emphasis on right now right. with what's going on in the world. Black lives matter. And if you, if you can't understand that, then you don't understand the phrase all lives matter. 
Mm-hmm. We're not taking the emphasis off of it. I would never take an emphasis off All Lives Matter. The majority of the kids that I coach, we have a very diverse football team. I love it because we have we have a, a Samoan, we have uh, black, we have white, uh, we ha- we have some mixed kids, we have everything, and I love it because it literally looks like a rainbow. When we get to heaven, this thing is gonna look like a rainbow. Like that's what I call it. it we're going to see everybody. Yeah. And if we don't understand that here while we're here, we would never understand it when we get to heaven. Right. Sunday shouldn't be the most it, sun they say Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. Yeah. And me us working for FCA, we we know like that that is not what what it should be. Mm-hmm. So my my challenge is always um and I and I grew up in an all black church. When I got married, I moved to a uh a diverse church, diverse non-denominational church. And I, it was a, it was kind of a shell shock for me because I was just like, oh my gosh. Like I get to see this every single weekend and every single Wednesday. And so for us, we just have to understand that we're never, we're, I will never take an emphasis off of All Lives Matter. But right now, this emphasis on Black Lives Matter because not only does my life matter, but my 10-year-old son's life matters and my wife's life matters. And at some point, that 10-year-old son is going to grow and become a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid who will be driving a car. And I don't have to worry about when he gets pulled over and he calls me because that's, that's just the rule that's always been in place for my house is when if you get pulled over, I call my mom and put her on speakerphone just so that she knows what's going on. Mm. That, that should, that should not have to happen. Right. And so right now, like that, that's my biggest, my, my biggest, and I, I wouldn't even say a fear, but it's my biggest fear is understanding. It's, it's not for me anymore. It's for my 10 year old. And it's how do we push past this at this point in in, in our time in the world to where those 10-year-olds and those 8-year-olds and those 9-year-olds and, and those 12, 13-year-olds don't have to deal with this. Because my 10-year-old is still short and cute. Mm. But at some point, he's going to hit a growth spurt, and I'm, Lord, we're praying for the growth spurt. <laughs> he's 65 pounds. I was 65 pounds as like a 6-year-old or a 7-year-old. Me too. So for him and having to have the conversations that we've had to have at this very moment has been a shell shock for me because now I know what my mom felt when she had to sit me down and have these conversations. Now I had, now I know what my dad felt when he was describing these things to me. And when he tells me to be careful every single Friday night before uh, he goes to bed going home and how I have to text my parents when I get home from those games, no matter what time it is. Mm. So yeah, it's like those 10, that my having a conversation with my 10 year old was, was a, I mean, it was just a surreal moment because you're like, you should, I shouldn't be having this. Like I couldn't even talk about it because I'm such a straight shooter 
that Janelle was like, oh, my wife was like, um, I, I might need to handle this one. She was like, at some point, you're going to have to have this conversation. But right now, let, let's do it the soft version. Yeah. But I, I pray that I never have to have the straight shooter version with him. And he, he's, six years, he's six years away from it. So I'm trying to figure out in these next six years, what can we do to where this is not, does not keep happening? All right. Like when we when we protest Black Lives Matter and people are protesting and, and, and everybody's screaming Black Lives Matter, we're not just screaming for George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. We're still screaming for Emmett Till and for uh, Eric Gardner, for Trayvon Martin and all these other lives that were taken because this isn't new. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, well, you should have faith. I have all the faith in the world, but I also know the devil is busy. And I think, you know, and I was thinking about this after our conversation, you know, the, um, I think, uh, like we were talking about, I had some, I had a few people ask me if I've become a Democrat because I've been advocating for Black Lives Matter. And that's a sad thing that we've, we've associated that with political issues. And this, it's not a political issue. It's not a Democrat. It's not a Republican issue. It's, I believe it's a biblical issue. As we just read, you know, Jesus came to lift the oppressed. And, uh, you know, I'll never have to have those conversations with Ferris when she's 16 about, okay, if a cop pulls you over, call me immediately. And I can't imagine having to have, you having to have that, having to have those. But, uh, um, but yeah, it takes all of us. It it takes, it's going to take all of us locking arms and, you know, to, there's a saying that goes, to see the change you want to see, be the change you want to see. And I think it's going to take all of us locking up arm in arm and saying, yes, black lives do matter. And we're going to not quit screaming it until this is no longer an issue. And it's yeah. there's nothing wrong with saying that. So right. go ahead, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good, because that's good. And, and I, was, I was segwaying it because I was looking for, you, you know, I started showing you all those pictures, all the, the protesting quotes earlier. So I was yeah. looking for one. Um, because I have to look at it from a different angle than just worrying about myself now. Yeah. And I, I think the one, um, I actually sent it to my mom, and she, I don't think she ever responded to it, but she, it was, uh, having a black son makes you pray in a different way. Mm. And now that I have a black son, my prayers look a little different. And so as, as he gets ready to embark in this world and and go do so many amazing things um he's not like i'm, I'm i can handle a lot i mean you know that I, i'm, yeah. I'm a, i i can handle a lot and so for him it's a he's getting ready to start playing football he's getting ready to be in the locker rooms he's getting ready to do things um that that when i started i was good with and so I'm I'm sure that when those conversations happen, um, and when things start to occur, that we're gonna have to have some deeper conversations, um, and we're gonna have to explain why uh, this is happening. Uh, I, I think that the 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 scariest night of my life was the night that uh, I was leaving my wife's house when she was my girlfriend at the time. And so she lived in Lebanon. I lived in Franklin at the time. 
So it was about an hour drive to get from point A to point B. And I was attending, I used to attend Trebekah, uh while I was in college and, and I still had the sticker on the back of my car. And so people always ask me, why do you keep that sticker on the back of your car? And I told her, uh, I said, because this sticker literally provides a safe haven for me. Mm. I said, this sticker literally says, um, I'm not a threat. And so I had a police officer literally follow me to the light right before I turned into my subdivision at the time and asked me if I went to Trebekah. And he was like, I just wanted to check and make sure the car wasn't stolen. And that was the night that I was just like, wow, like this easily could have went south. Like right now on my car, if you go look at my car, you can see the school that I'm at, the magnet on the back of my car. Because that is a safe haven for me. I wear my school's paraphernalia everywhere because that 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 makes me feel like I'm not as much of a threat as what I do if I'm wearing just a simple Nike shirt. Or I wear FCA stuff everywhere because it makes me feel like if you see a cross on my chest, um, I'm not as much of a threat as I would be if I was just wearing what I have on right now. And so the challenge to you guys becomes what can I do? Not right now. Cause right now Rich is planting seeds. Like honestly, these conversations might not affect you right now, but at some point when you go to college and as you get older and as you grow, it becomes a, what can I do? Uh, to to affect change in the world when it comes to these issues and so i i want you to reach back and so hopefully something is said and a story is told or something that just sticks with you and you're just like i remember when you know so and so whether it's me whether it was what trey said last week um and you take that seed and you take that plant and you can pull it and give it that that's what this becomes this becomes a start of something like right now everybody has to educate themselves mm-hmm. like it looks different for me because now i have to take the pain that i felt and the sadness that i felt and all of these emotions that i felt and put them to an amazing use because now i have to go plant seeds and pour and if i'm not willing to do that and not able to go do that and do what God has called me to do in that I'm not doing my job not only as a Christian but as an African American male because mm. at the end of the day I'm going to scream my life matters at the end of the day a little dude I'm going to scream his life matters yeah. and so we're going to do everything that, and, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that what has happened to all of these other uh, African-Americans doesn't happen to my child. It does so it doesn't happen to me. Because the pain that my mom feels right now, and it's not even, not even me. 
Like she she has called me so much just because she was like, Are you good? The pain that she feels right now for George Floyd and for Ahmaud Arbery is I, I can't even imagine the pain that she would feel if it was me. So that's where we stand when, when it comes to, to well, this is where I stand when it comes to all lives matter, black lives matter. Even when we're talking about, um, we, I don't believe all cops are bad. I know some amazing cops. I've been blessed to stand on stage and lead praise and worship with some amazing police officers. When we look at George Floyd, that, that wasn't a, a bad cop, good cop issue. That was to me a senseless, a senseless murder to me. When we look at Ahmaud Arbery, that was a senseless murder to me. And for me to see that, it doesn't become a, a black male bad cop situation. It, it becomes a, I wouldn't even say a, ra a race issue, but it just becomes a, injustice like that to I, to find the words to describe what I feel when I see that when I think about it like oh gee I have that picture on my phone of George Floyd like I, I had to go back and, and just and look at it for a minute and I had to dissect that picture because I can guarantee you that that police officer would still do the same thing if he didn't have that badge on so we have to start questioning morals when it comes to it. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to give up your morals to do something like that? Yeah. To see somebody do that and have a smirk on their face as, as George Floyd is screaming for his mother. And I, that guy, let me go back and watch uh, Al Sharpton's eulogy. When, when we get off of here, because I, I want to see what was said after I watched that clip that I told you I watched earlier. That was really good. Um, but to see that, I can't imagine calling for my mom while I'm losing my life. I can't imagine going for a jog and being senselessly gunned down. Like that, that's why when I go run, I go run at the school because that's my safe haven. I know I'm good there because everybody knows me. That's why I, I, I do what I do and I make sure that I'm on my P's and Q's everywhere I go and I'm not doing anything crazy because I don't want to be George Floyd or I don't want to be any, anybody else. So yes, like it, it, it's real life for me. It's real, and, and at some point it might be real life for my son, because at some point, I mean, he's gonna have to have those. We're gonna have to have those conversations, and he's going to deal with some things. But I want him to know that not all cops are bad cops. Just because somebody doesn't look like you doesn't mean they're they're not gonna like you. 
That's my challenge to you guys. Know, know that it's not gonna, it might not affect you right now, but what does it look like for you in the future? How can you affect change in the future? Right. How can you affect, um, how can you begin that walk right now? So. Yeah, and that's the thing that, you know, when this whole, uh, when, Ahmed Aubrey, when that thing happened, the, I don't know, Tyler, if I've told you this or not, but once I saw it play out, I thought, first thing I thought was, like, man, that could have been Tyler. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, I guess, woke me up to the fact that racism, unfortunately, is still a sin that is alive today, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, and like we like we were talking about with the whole Trayvon Martin thing, I was still so uneducated and hadn't you know I hadn't really at that time I might have known you know I didn't know anybody that could help educate me like you know people like you and and others have been able to and uh, but man ever since this I was I thought if not uh, if not now when if not us right. I don't want Ferris growing up in this world where, you know, I hopefully our generation does something about it. So my daughter can, you know, walk down the street with one of her best friends and maybe a black girl and my, and nobody's giving her grief about it. Or she can date a black boy and without people giving her or him grief about it, you know? Right. So um, I'm, I'm ready to shut this thing down. So, yeah. So that yeah, that that's I mean that that's where we are as a as a family right now and as, as I continue to talk with people, um, people are ready to make a difference. Mm-hmm. If you if you aren't ready to make a difference, um, my suggestion to you is that you get ready to make make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it just feel this one feels different. Yeah. Like they all have felt different. Um, I even have a story of of I can't remember. I think it was Eric Gardner um, when he was first um, choked to death outside of the drugstore. Um, I was actually in Atlanta when they shut down Atlanta on the protest. Mm. Uh, we I was working for a summer camp and we took our summer camp down to the Coca Cola factory and the aquarium, and I got a phone call and. From, from a good friend of mine and he was like um i know y'all are down here but if y'all want to leave atlanta y'all need to leave right now so imagine four wise coaches getting out of atlanta as fast as possible because they were getting ready to shut down i-75 yeah yeah um that that's when i was like oh my yeah people people really are ready to make a difference and everybody makes a difference in their own way. Mm-hmm. So don't think that you have to go stand outside with a sign. Don't think that you have to uh, be extremely vocal about it because you don't. Like I'm not a very uh, extremely vocal person. I might post stuff on my Instagram story, but I'm not going to sit here and make a, a five minute video. But if you want to sit down and have a real conversation to where we can talk about it, then that's what we can do. And so, no, my mom always tells me, stay in your lane and know what you're good at, and you do that well. 
Mm. Uh, my dad tells me the same thing. And so that's what I do. Mm. So if you know, if anybody has any questions or comments or Surely after hearing all this, y'all have some questions. I mean, literally, he's a he's an open book. I am. That's crazy. Yeah. I used to not be like this. <laughs> I used to be shy. Yeah, man. And thanks for earlier answering my questions, too, because I was – Of course, man. For me, I mean, I finally, with this, like you were talking about, you, you know, the change we all do may not be, you know, protesting, holding the sign, but for me, some of that has been – okay, I want to have some conversations mm -hmm. and get your perspective on why this happens and what you go through being a, you know, a black man living in, in this country. And right. it's really, I'll tell you, man, it feels like, like I told you earlier, it's almost like the, the scales of, like I had a Paul moment where the scales just right. my eyes. So, um, man, I tell you, I hope that between you, me and everybody, I think I think now that people are having the conversations, I've seen a lot of good, healthy, and uncomfortable conversations yeah. happening now, and I've not seen that really. And you may have, but but ever since we've had a mur uh, had murders that have happened, unfortunately, uh, in this way and in just you know racist brutality, um, this right. is the first time I've seen people saying, "Okay, we've got to do something about this." Right. We have we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I say it every day um, at practice, but I take that statement and I use it in my life. Yeah, um, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, I think my other favorite statement is we have to embrace the suck. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, so true. And, and right now everything is not amazing. Um, kind of sucks. But yeah. We have embrace embrace these moments because mm -hmm. these, it would make us stronger yeah uh, one thing tyler you mentioned i want to reiterate is um guys eventually the press will quieten down fox news cnn will be talking about um these murders uh probably in a couple weeks but if you know people who have been affected by this don't leave when the cameras turn off. Stick by them by their sides. Check in on them. Let them know you're there for them. And if you don't know people of color, um, find some because there is just beauty in difference. Uh, I've learned so much uh, from Tyler since uh, we've been friends. I mean, we kind of clicked instantly. You know, we 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 roomed together at All Staff a couple of years ago, and uh, and then ever since then, you know, I know that. If I, I can come to you with anything, and hopefully you know you can do the same with me. Oh, yeah. But uh, if you don't have any uh, friends of color, then you're doing it wrong because you're just missing out on something beautiful. Because, uh, uh, you know, God, you know, um, God made – I mean, God made different colors from for a reason, and, and Jesus wasn't white. So, I mean, um, so, I mean, there's a – there's there's beauty in – there's beauty in being different. And just because somebody doesn't look like you doesn't mean that you can't have a great relationship with them, with, with those people. So, like I said, if you don't have any black friends, get to know some or, or not just black friends, but you know, if you know, if there's Latinos at your school, if there's um, you know, there's, I mean, get to know all kinds of different people because you're, you're really, uh, that's one thing they may not know Jesus either. So there's your opportunity to show what a true 
Bible-believing Jesus follower looks like. So, mm-hmm. All right, anybody have any questions? Macy, nothing still? You've been uncharacteristically quiet tonight. Okay, I actually do have something now. Well, here we go. Um, so I used to play basketball, mm-hmm. and there was only one person of color on the team. Do you think that, like, they experience more or less or any? Um, for, for that one person, how many – I'm sure, in a sense, they probably felt a sense of uncom- being uncomfortable. Um, if you've ever realized that a lot of people are very com- not comfortable being uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. we need to flock to the people that look like us. Um, but at that same time, if your if your team was a family, like most teams are, um, they she might not have ever felt anything, and so mm-hmm. you, that's a conversation that you might be able to have with her, um, asking her, hey, what what did you feel when you were when we were playing? Did you feel anything in the locker room? Did you feel anything um, if we went to a tournament and traveled? Um, I've I've been on teams where I I, I played travel baseball, I played football, I played basketball, I played school ball for baseball, football, and basketball. I've I've done it all, and I've been on teams where um, they were all black, and I've been on teams where I was one of few. And every team that I've been on, um, I think the the main thing was if there was a family atmosphere, and we had that the atmosphere of we can come to each other about anything, then those conversations can be had with an open heart, with an open mind, um, and with open eyes. So, yeah, I mean, for her, she might have felt, she might have felt uncomfortable at times um, if, if she wasn't all the way, you know, feeling that family atmosphere. Or she might have just, you know, she might have been perfectly fine. So... Yeah, that's a conversation that you would have to have with her, um, which would be in one of those uncomfortable conversations. Um, but that's where we start. Like, that's where you figure it out. Mm-hmm. So. it's a good question, Maisie. Yeah, I, that's a, I mean, that's an amazing question because I've been that one. Yeah. So. Riley, anything? No, sir. All right. Michael, what about you? No. No, well. Um, hey, no questions, boy. No. Hey, there's no such thing as a dumb question. I always no. remember that. I always remember that. Because if anybody could ask a dumb question, it would be me. And then, but. Uh, no. I, I ask some wild questions, man. Yeah. That's the only way you learn. I mean, I've, I mean, I'll tell you, in, in just our kind of like pre video, pre meeting zoom i was i was just sitting there just blown away some of the stuff you were telling me and uh um uh, it's it's been an honor that you've allowed me to kind of look through your eyes a little bit um uh, and uh thank you for show, showing me uh gets give me a glimpse of what you go through man and uh you know you're in my prayers and my my prayer will be now uh, that uh every day that you get home safe and yep. I'm, that's hey, that's that's always going to be the goal um, get home, get home to the family. If I can get home to to the rest of this Forte family that's in this house, I'm good. So. Yeah.
and like I said, man, uh, if you ever if you're close to the Livingston area and it's getting late at night and you're going through, call me. We'll gotcha, bro. Of course. Always. Of course. Yeah. You know, I zip, I, zip, I zip down 40, so. Yeah. Yeah, tell, tell them how fast you went from Nashville to Knoxville yesterday. I think I got like, was like what, an hour, 30, hour, 45? <laughs> what day was that? Normally, it's a two-hour drive. Yeah, I was, I was zipping it, man. And getting back, I, my goal was to get back to Nashville ASAP. Coming from so. It takes me an hour and a half to get from Nash uh, here to Knoxville, and I'm closer to Knoxville than you are. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I had to get down the road. I had to move. Well, so, <laughs> but hopefully, uh, as we move forward, you can you can stroll there and back, and not have to worry about that stuff. Cause that's <laughs> the goal, and we're not going to stop until that's the reality. So. That's it. Yes, sir. All right, so, man. Any closing remarks for we? Man, hey, honestly, um, y'all, y'all are not the now. Y'all are not the future generation. Y'all are now generation. Exactly. Uh, and so, yes, those seeds are planted, um, and yes, those seeds will continue to be watered. But I want you to really be able to to get that sunlight because you're the sunlight that has to be on the plant for it to grow. Mm-hmm. And so when when it's time for you to pull those plants and to really share them, you have to be ready. Yeah. That that flower has to be mature. That flower has to uh, have listened and understood and not just listen just to hear it and for, for somebody to stop talking. It's like I said earlier, um, a lot of people listen to their parents just to listen to them for them to stop talking. I'm guilty of it. Yeah, me too. But when you listen for understanding and listen for um, to to become better, that that's when you start to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So that that's my final thought to you guys. Um, I haven't even met you guys in person, but I love you anyway. Um, we'll have to um, change that soon. You're yeah. welcome. First time to Livingston anytime. Let's say I, I have to swing through Livingston and 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 come up there and. And hang out with you guys, and spend some time with you guys, and let's have these conversations in per- in person. So, see what when we start meeting in person again, I'd love to, I'd love to give you the mic one night and let you get up on stage for a while. Me, they get tired hearing me anyway. So. Hey, let let me know, and I'm there. I'm let me know. So, yeah, beforehand we'll go by Ralph's and grab a donut, and then we'll. Hey, that's it, bro. That's it. Hey, <laughs> it's funny because I I definitely almost stopped. Uh. We almost stopped on the way there. I might have to stop on Friday when I go back. Do it, man. I'm gonna have to. That's gonna have to. That might have to happen. So me and Ralph, best friend. Hey, uh, here soon. We'll uh, we'll try to meet halfway. I mean, I I love to see your family again, and you haven't met my baby girl yet. So yeah, we gotta we gotta see baby girl. So yeah, you know. So yeah, we'll meet in Lebanon or something like that, and eat dinner or something like that. Hey, because we're on dead period. Uh, not next week, but the week after that. Yeah, we're starting after that period, so I'm I'm yeah. good until then, man. So yeah, you're good. So all right, hey, well, let me know. We got, I got you. Yeah, man. Well, hey, thanks again, man. Love you. You're my brother, and uh, thank you so much for doing this. Hey, man, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm time, man. As for the rest of you, y'all know I love you, but I'm gonna tell you again anyway. I love you. We'll see you soon, and uh, we might be starting meeting in person again really soon. So keep uh, keep on the lookout for that. So love y'all. Take care.